the weekly podcast from the First Church of Christ in East Palestine, Ohio. We're glad you've decided to join us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. Good to see you all here. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us all here to your house today to worship you, Lord. I ask that you be with those that couldn't be here, and I ask that you be with this service through song and be with the message. Let it touch our hearts. Lord, let us live for you. In your name I pray, amen. This morning for our devotion for communion is coming from the uh, first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian, Corinth, the church at Corinth. It was a very troubled church. Immorality was rampant. Divisions. People taking their brothers and sisters to court. And Paul wasn't happy with them at all. They even messed up the Lord's Supper and taking the Lord's Supper. We'll start chapter 11, verse 17. Now read. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worst. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved <coughs> excuse me, may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? No, I do not. I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which was also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take this and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner shall, be, shall bring judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's death and body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, we come this morning, Lord Jesus, to commune with you, to partake of this unbeloved bread, Lord, that represents your body, and this juice, Lord, that represents your blood, the only thing that cleanses us from our sins. And Lord, we thank you that you came to earth and died for us, that we might spend eternity with you. Bless us now, Lord, as we commune with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning, folks. Good to see you today. Uh, how do you like the carpet? Pretty cool, huh? It's good. We certainly uh, appreciate the folks who donated it and uh, those who have come in the last two weeks to help with all the work. There's a lot of work. And uh, the person who donated it also has donated carpet to go in the hallways. Uh, not as you first come in or as you first go down the ramp. That is really a good industrial carpet, and we're going to keep that there for a while. But everywhere else in the hallways, uh, we'll be having new carpet put down, hopefully in April. So that's just, that's just wonderful. I really appreciate that. For those of you in the balcony, uh, it will be ready next week. It's almost ready now. But did you notice, if you're sitting here, and you won't notice this if you're in the back two pews on either side, uh, on, on the, this side, but if you're, did you notice you got more space? A little more space there. And you'll have that in the balcony also. You'll have about the three more inches of space. So that's nice. We want to, people have been complaining they're so uncomfortable while they're sleeping. And I wanted to see what I could do <laughs> to help that. So hopefully that'll, that'll help you a little bit there. But really appreciate all those who came out to help uh, with this. Uh, and those who have come out uh, to help this week with uh, Caring Hands. Uh, 208 families were served this week, so you see the need in the community is growing a little bit there. But appreciate everybody who has helped with that and donate toward that. Uh, and we've had a number of people come out and help throughout the week, also just because of the train derailment. We've uh, had a lot of things going on there. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, please look over the prayer list, though, if you would, and remember these people in your daily prayers. So as you look over that, and if you get a chance, uh, many of these people need uh, uh, cards of encouragement. Uh, Paige Falk had her surgery, and I saw her uh, this week. She's home, and she's doing great. So keep her in your prayers and continue to remember these on the list. Now let's have a moment of silent prayer. Amen. Uh, this past week and, and last week before, we, we've had a lot of phone calls uh, because of the train derailment. And most of the phone calls are very positive, people calling to offer prayers and encouragement. But every so often you'll get a, a wacky, you know, who calls and says something goofy or writes us a letter that's kind of goofy. So I got a letter this week from somebody who said the reason for the train derailment was because of the sin in East Palestine. And the reason for the train derailment is because we as a church aren't preaching enough against sin. So this morning I'm going to preach a hellfire and brimstone sermon, <laughs> if that'll make you feel better. We don't get too many of those type of things. Uh, for maybe every 30 great phone calls we get, we get somebody like that. And I don't know what's wrong. Uh, I don't know. But I want to tell you, we've received unbelievable amount of phone calls and letters. We're doing a bulletin board. We'll get that up this week. So next week, you can come in and read some of the cards and letters and comments people send to us, letting us know that our whole community is in their prayers, and they want to help any way they can. A uh, lot of encouraging things. You see all the water outside. Uh, we haven't bought any water at all. Water has all been donated from people they came from Worcester, I think, yesterday. And Mandy, do you remember Virginia? Was that yesterday too? North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, and all that. North Carolina to bring that water. And earlier this week, we had a family come up from Florida. 
and they brought water and supplies. So people are coming, uh, actually bringing more than we might need even sometimes. So we have to discourage them a little bit, some of the things they want to bring. Uh, we put a disaster fund on our webpage because so many people were calling and saying, can we help? Uh, we want to help somehow. How financially can we help? So we put a disaster fund. So the money that comes into that goes only to helping people because of the train derailment. We've helped people already in numerous ways. One family, little kids, they were over there on East Clark Street. They're afraid to go home. They have a mortgage, and at the same time, they have to pay rent at their new home. Uh, utilities still here, although the utilities aren't high, and utilities there. So uh, some difficulties, and we're able to help because of these donations in the disaster fund. People all over the world, we've talked to people from Australia. Uh, People all over the world are calling. We're praying for you. We want to help however we can. So I'm going to give you the number of the, how much we've received so far in our disaster fund. And it might surprise you a little bit. It's $138,000. Give them a hand, will you? Thank those people who don't even know us. Many of that's coming from Christian churches and Churches of Christ and other churches. Uh, we've had people from churches all over bringing items in and, and bringing money in and saying prayers for us and encouraging us. So, in fact, we've had so many phone calls. I think I told you last week we brought somebody in to be a disaster coordinator. Mallory Aponic comes in answering the phone for us. We were receiving phone calls, no kidding, once every eight minutes. Uh, and so we just weren't able to handle it all. So we have somebody who's just kind of taking care of that so we can get some of the other things done. But even with that, everybody's doing extra work and uh, because of this. But it's just uplifting to have so many people encourage us. And it just made me think this week that we as Christians, we are called not to be sending letters to people to tell them how bad they are. But we are called to encourage. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, encourage one another. In Acts chapter 4, 36, we read about a guy named Joseph. And the apostles gave him a nickname. They called him Barnabas because he was such an encourager. In Acts 4, after Acts 4, after they gave him that nickname, anytime we read about him, we never see the name of Joseph again. He is always called Barnabas. 25 times in the book of Acts, Barnabas. Five times in the letter, Barnabas, encourager. Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 7 says, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, why did he do that? Well, because at that moment in history, the only Christian church in the world was there in Jerusalem. The Jews had come for Passover and Pentecost. Uh, they stayed. These ones who became Christians, they had nowhere to go. If they left Jerusalem, there was no church to go to. So they left their homes, and here they are in Jerusalem, trying to find place to stay without money. So we see uh, the church people uh, giving them money, uh, selling possessions to be able to give them money and, and to feed them and to house them. And we see Barnabas doing just that. He sold some property so he could bring this money in and help these new Christians. So they gave him at this point in time the name Barnabas, son of encouragement. In Acts chapter 11, read about the church in Antioch growing. Stephen has been martyred at this time. The church has been dispersed out of Jerusalem. Uh, and now we have new churches being started all over the place. And there's a church now in Antioch. And they're having some difficulties, some needs. So um, the apostles send Barnabas up to talk to them. 
Now look what the Bible says of Barnabas did when he got there. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He encouraged them to remain true to the Lord. That is, he encouraged them in the faith. He encouraged them to remain steadfast. He encouraged them to remain strong and, and to hang in there and to stand firm. You see, these Christians, uh, they were new Christians, a lot of temptations coming from the world. Antioch uh, was a thoroughly pagan city. It was a tough city. It was a city that uh, practiced prostitution through the temple, uh, which was uh, dedicated to the goddess they called Daphne. They had chariot races that would make Charlton Heston. How many of you know who Charlton Heston is? See, there, some of you don't, but uh, if you, uh, they would even scare him, some of the chariot races. So it was kind of a wild town. But Barnabas was this encourager. And he was the type of guy who would just put his arm around you and, and say, you made a great decision to be a Christian. Now you know what you need to do? You need to stick with it. Uh, and we will help you, and God will help you. So we need, to remain, we need to encourage people to remain in the faith. When you notice someone isn't here, when you notice someone starts to falter in their faith, in their attendance, uh, be an encourager. Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm going to tell you people have as many reasons as stars in the sky for not attending church. It's raining. It's snowing. It looks like it might rain. It looks like it might snow. The church building is too hot or the church building is too cold. Pews are too soft. Pews are too hard. Music is too loud. They sing songs that I don't like. I can't hear the preacher. I can hear the preacher. <laughs> I was sick and no one visited me. Someone snubbed me. My cat died and no one called. Sermons are too long. Sermons are too short. Elders pray too long. Elders don't pray long enough. It's my only day to sleep, my only day to visit the family. And the list goes on and, and on. And people can always come up with a reason for not coming to church. But you need to be an encourager. Encourage people by your faithful attendance. Uh, set a tone by your positive comments and by your loving actions. The Bible says over and over and over again, we are to encourage others. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Did you get the last part here? Just as in fact you are doing. Could that be said of you? You're an encourager. Continue doing that just like you've been doing it. Paul wrote to the Colossians and the Ephesians, and he said, hey, I'm going to send a young man over to see you. His name is Tychicus, and uh, I'm sending him for a certain purpose. Now, what was that purpose? Was he sending this young man to bring a revival? Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Was he sending him to, uh, uh, to preach the word with boldness? Maybe, but the Bible doesn't say that. Was he sending him to deal with false teachers? Maybe, but the Bible doesn't say that. What does the Bible say was the purpose for Paul sending this Tychicus to uh, uh, the Ephesians and Colossians? He says, I'm sending him that he may encourage your hearts. See, encouragement's important. 
Acts chapter 20, we read about Paul traveling through Macedonia. And it says in verse 2, he traveled through the area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece. So we have this summary. What did he do when he was in Macedonia? How does the Bible summarize it? He spoke words of encouragement. Now, what words of encouragement were spoken? Well, I don't know for sure. Certainly, he, he shared the Christian message, which is a message of encouragement. It's the good news that Jesus came to die and to raise from the dead. His resurrection shows what he taught, of course, was the truth. Jesus said, I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's an encouraging message. When I stand at the graveside of a Christian... I'm saddened by the fact that I will no longer see them in this world, but I'm encouraged by the fact that I will one day see them again in heaven. Philip Brooks was a well-known American preacher, uh, last part of the 19th century. You might know his name. He's the one who wrote the song Little Town of Bethlehem, and he also is the one who introduced Helen Keller to Christianity. He preached at a rather large church. He became very ill, deathly ill. And he asked that people would not come and see him. Everybody from the church wanted to visit the preacher. Uh, but he was too ill to see people. But he also knew a man by the name of Robert Ingersoll. Do you know who he was? One of the foremost atheists of the day. And uh, Ingersoll asked if he could visit Philip Brooks, and Brooks said yes. And when he went in and visited the preacher, he asked, I don't understand it, he said, preacher. I mean, you have all these friends in church who want to come and see you, and you say No. But you say yes to me. What's, what's the deal with that? And Brooks said, it's like this. I feel confident of seeing my other friends in the next world. But this may be my last chance to see you. You see, we can have confidence if we are Christians that we will see each other again. When Paul wrote to the second, uh, wrote to Thessalonians, uh, he, he wrote about the second coming of Christ, about the resurrection of the body from the grave, about this grand reunion that we're going to have with others in heaven. And then he says this, Therefore, encourage one another with these words, even in the time of death. And maybe I should say, especially in the time of death, we can be encouraged and we can encourage others. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Unwholesome talk is a, is a general term, but the context gives us an idea of what Paul means here. Uh, Paul was talking about building people up uh, for their benefit. So when he, when, when he says here... Uh, this unwholesome talk. He's talking about overcritically critical words. He's talking about hurtful words, destructive words, negative words. Someone who complains and someone who quarrels about everything. I looked up on a website, uh, hurtful words, and there was a site uh, where people were writing in hurtful words that had been spoken to them over the years that they say were still affecting their lives today. Let me read you some of the things these people said. They said these things, these words changed their lives for the worst. Why can't you be more like your sister? If I ever want something done right, I'll never ask you to do it. No one will ever want you. Can you imagine someone saying that to you? You and your brother just got in the way of, my, of me living my life. 
You're just not smart enough. You'll never amount to anything. I wish you were never born. We don't want you hanging around with us. I hate you. Dad left because of you. The unfortunate thing is this list is just about never ending. So we need to be careful that we don't use destructive, hurtful, overly critical words. We hear words like the ones I just read, words that come out of someone else's mouth and we're shocked hearing those things. The question is, the words like that ever come out of our mouths? Hebrews 13.3 says, but encourage one another daily. Do you get the idea that this, this encouragement is, is important to God? Time and time and time again, he speaks about it in his word. 1982, Angela Cavella. She was in her late 50s. She's a mother and a grandmother. She was in the garage with her son, Tony Cavella, who was working on his 1965 Chevy Impala. He had it up on jacks. He was working underneath it. And uh, somehow he bumped something. The jacks came out. The car fell on top of him. Angela, in her late 50s, walked over to that car, picked it up four inches off her boy, Tony. Tony had passed out. He wasn't able to get out of the car. She's holding it up. A little neighbor, uh, well, little Johnny Edwards, who was visiting his grandparents, saw what happened. He ran and got neighbors. This took some time, but two men came, pulled Angela's son, Tony, out from underneath the car. And at that point, she dropped the car. She held the car four inches off of Tony for a number of minutes. Now, Tony was okay, by the way. They rushed him to the hospital, and he was okay. No major injuries, pretty amazing. But I looked it up because I didn't have it at the top of my head how much a 1965 Chevy Impala weighs. It weighs 3,500 pounds. How in this world did this woman in her late 50s pick up a car four inches that weighed 3,500 pounds and save her son? How was she able to do that? Well, physiologists call this hysterical strength. It's a situation where we get an adrenaline rush and they say that the most weak, weakest person might become like Hercules because of that adrenaline rush. And I tell you that just to tell you this. Encouragement is a little bit like an adrenaline rush. Uh, what adrenaline will do for the body, encouragement, you see, would do for the soul. And tr- encouragement can transform a person's spirit. That's why Paul encouraged the Macedonians. That's why Barnabas encouraged the Christians in Antioch. That's why Paul sent Tychicus to uh, uh, Colossae and, and, and Ephesus. And that's why we are called to encourage other people. The right words at the right moment, a hug, a note sent in the mail, a smile, an invitation to dinner, a timely visit, might just be the boost that a person needs. A simple word or a simple act of encouragement can change a life. The life of your child, the life of your spouse, the life of a a friend. You may ask, how do I know? How do I know if somebody needs encouraged? Well, I I like how uh, uh, Trudy Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A restaurant, answered that question. How do you identify someone who needs encouragement? He said, simply ask yourself, is the person breathing? 
So the idea is we all, we all need to be encouraged. I need to be an encourager. You need to be an encourager. All kind of ways that we can encourage people. And I hope you'll think of some of those this week, and I hope you'll make a special effort to be an encourager this week. A retired school teacher from St. Paul, Minnesota, wrote about a lesson she learned concerning the power of encouragement. Uh, they were having a day where they were doing tests and uh, some hard work in class. And she was teaching junior high, and everybody just seemed discouraged and, and frustrated and just kind of fighting with each other. They were irritated because of the work they were doing. So near the end of the day, uh, she handed out a piece of paper, and then she said, I'm going to read all your classmates, all their names to you, and I want you to write these down on each line. Leave space by their name, write each name down in line. She read out all the kids' names who were in the class, and then she said, now what I want you to do is I want you to write what you like about that person. Uh, write a kind word about uh, this person. So you had all the names of the class, and they had to write a kind word about each person in the class. She collected the paper and went home that night, and she wrote the, uh, a child's name down, and then she looked at all the papers and wrote next to that child's name on that paper all the nice, kind, encouraging things that were said about him or her. And she did that for each student. Well, the next day when they went, she went to class, she took those papers and she handed them out. So here's a kid, and he has a paper with his name on it, and then you have all these kind, encouraging things that were said by his classmates about him. And she said when, when she passed those out, uh, she heard one kid whisper, I never knew I meant anything to anybody. This is great. Uh, I didn't know people liked me that much. And she said the kids smiled and they laughed, and it was just a better attitude all day long because of that little thing they did. One number of years later, the kids had graduated, and uh, she received a phone call that one of her ex-students had died in Vietnam. Uh, she went to the funeral, Mark's funeral. And after the funeral, uh, Mark's parents invited her back to the house along with some of the students that were in his class over the years. And when they got to the house, uh, the mother went to Mark's room and brought back a little piece of paper. And she said, Mark had this with him when he died in Vietnam. She gave it to the teacher, and she opened it up, and it was that list. His name on it, and all the things that the people liked about him. All the things his classmates liked about him. He carried that with him from the time he was in junior high, and when he traveled to Vietnam. Now, the other classmates were there, heard this, and saw this. And the one said, I still have my list. I keep it in the top desk drawer at home. Another said, I have mine too. I keep it in my diary. Someone else said, I keep mine in my wedding album. And someone else said, I think all of us have kept that list. And the teacher said at, at that moment, she just cried. And, and she realized how important that little thing was that she did. And from that day forward, in every class, every year, she would do that to encourage those kids. So don't think for a moment that you're encouraging words, that you're encouraging phone call, that you're encouraging card. Don't think for a moment that those things don't have a great impact upon someone. They really do. I like how the book of uh, Proverbs describes encouragement. It reminds us, Proverbs 25 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. So think about it. Who in your life really needs encouraged? Uh, 
Maybe someone close to you, maybe someone halfway across the country. Is there a phone call that you can make? Is there a visit that you can make, a card that you can send? Words that can encourage and uplift the spirit. We are called to be encouragers. Let's do that. Now, God encourages us by giving a son. He knows that we sin. He knows that we fall. But he encourages us by saying we can have eternal life. We can have that if we accept Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's very simply to do that through faith that leads us to repent of our sins, confess Christ, and be born again, be baptized uh, that we can become part of his family. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you today in front of all these people who would love to see you make a decision to come forward. We'll take your confession and we can baptize you in Christ Jesus today. You making that walk up the aisle might encourage someone else. But most importantly, Christ is encouraging you to do that through the sacrifice he made. So we're going to sing a rotation hymn. If you have a decision to make, if you come forward this time, we'll, we'll take your confession, baptize you into Christ. If, if you want to think a little more about that uh, and want to set a time to be baptized, talk with me after the service, and, and, and we can do that. Let's stand as we sing together. Thanks for listening. If you would like to join us in person, we meet on Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m. and on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Have a great week.